Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Real Deal with Chris O'Neill. I'm your host Chris, and uh, you know, let's just get right into uh, right into the football games last week. Uh, starting first with Ohio State at Penn State. This was probably a game of the week, 44-31 to as the Buckeyes take the win on the road in Happy Valley. Um, a, lot of, a couple of things to take away from this game, I think. Starting first... Um, you know, let's let's look at some of Ohio State's positives. Uh, C.J. Stroud, another game to add to his Heisman campaign, didn't really have the production, maybe in terms of touchdowns, as some of his uh, prior games this year. Uh, he went 26 for 33, 354 yards and one one touchdown. Um, you know, still a still a great performance for C.J. Um, you know, I think he again ran into a defense similar to like last week's with Iowa where it actually gave him a little bit of a challenge, um, some things to overcome, but, you know, ended up lighting it up in the fourth quarter, and the, the defense really kept this offense in the game and gave him the final opportunities to kind of pull away from Penn State in the end. Got to give it to Penn State. Um, very tough environment, always. Um, Happy Valley. Beaver Stadium is uh, the second biggest, uh, attendance-wise, stadium in the country. Uh, it was their stripe out which is kind of like an annual thing they do. They do their whiteout and their stripeout. So, you know, very, very tough environment to play. And I think the only thing that may have made it tougher is if it was actually a night game, but it was a noon game. Um, but tough environment nonetheless, um, which is impressive to see Ohio State overcome that or any team who would, would overcome an environment like that. Another positive I think we can take about Ohio State from this game is uh, coming alive in the fourth quarter. Uh, in a matter of, you know, this game went from a very close game to Ohio State pulling away in a matter of minutes, really, uh, just with the defensive turnovers and leading those defensive turnovers leading to touchdowns. Um, Buckeye scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, if you're Penn State, it's hard to win a football game if you're giving up those kind of numbers. Uh, especially one quarter, let alone at the end of the game. So uh, credit to the Buckeyes for pulling that away there, and a credit to the defense. That's the next point is that, you know, as we've seen this season progress and Jim Knowles' defense um, play some, some harder teams as, you know, the the critique is that, you know, the Big Ten is a little weak this year. And, um, you know, they, they finally played an offense that could give them a challenge uh, with Penn State. And um, I think they showed showed that they can they can compete with better teams, better offenses, and that this defense is really revitalized from just a year ago when they were getting pretty much steamrolled by anyone they would play. So, um, you know, I think that's the, the bright side here is, is how well this defense performed with uh, four turnovers, three interceptions, one fumble. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, I think you know where this is going when it comes to the defense, but we'll get to that in a second. 
Uh, I think the the last thing I want to just point out with uh, being impressed with Ohio State is Cade Stover on the offense uh, just continues to impress. This is a guy who um, you know came to Ohio State and was playing linebacker, and when there was a need at tight end, um, filled that role, and I think he's filled it filled it perfectly uh, so far this year. Um, so Stover um, coming alive. Um, he had the the touchdown catch after one of the uh, Penn State turnovers and bro- breaking three tackles brings it in for six. So uh, definitely impressed with that. Uh, next, a couple of the negatives. Um, I think the biggest biggest thing here is, and and you can see with the numbers is a hundred yards rushing, and I I don't think that's entirely on the the running backs here. Um, you know, Mayan Williams and. Uh, Travion, you know, split carries, but I think the the struggle with the run, uh, which probably led to some of CJ's struggles with, um, you know, trying to get a play action going and whatnot down the field, is the O line had probably their worst performance of the year, um, noticeably, uh, not able to really give CJ time initially, and definitely not able to run block. Um, you know, that's something they clearly struggled with, and. You know, going forward, that's something that they really need to lock up and, and, you know, improve upon because, you know, you may be able to get away with it uh, with a team like Penn State, who is good, definitely a good opponent, but um, you wouldn't qualify them as elite, right? You know, this isn't Alabama, this isn't a Georgia, um, this is, you know, even Michigan, like, you know, you're going to have to step it up even for the Michigan game later on this year. So, you know, if Ohio State, you know, wants to, you know, make a run here and, and do something and, you know, first things first, beat Michigan, um, yeah, that's something they're going to have to fix. And, uh, you know, the play that they had this past Saturday uh, won't suffice against an elite team or, you know, elite players. Guys like Will Anderson will just go right through them. So that's something they can work on for sure. Now that we've gone through some of the positives and negatives here, uh, just while we're on this game, just want to touch two on two players, um, and we'll start with the obvious one, JT Tuamaloau. Uh, man, what a game for this kid! And you know, I'm I'm sure um, this has been all over the news, but three tackles for loss, two sacks, one forced fumble with the recovery himself, two interceptions, one of which was a pick six. Um, I don't know what else <laughs> you want from this kid. He did it all on Saturday. He, uh, you know, this is a guy who went to a school that had Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young in in just recent years playing defensive end, and those guys were dominant. They were dominant in college and proved why they were top five picks, all of them. Uh, You know, maybe none of them went lower than three. I'd have to look it up. I know Bosa went two, Chase Young went two. Um, But, I mean... No one, none of those guys put on a defensive performance against a quality opponent like Penn State that JT did this past Saturday. So I think this is a breaking out game, obviously. Um, Gets his name out there in the news, a little bit of recognition. People are watching him a little closer now. He's got one more year at Ohio State. So, you know, his breakout game coming this early is exciting. Um, I'm hoping he can stay at this kind of level and perform like this because this is you know, a championship caliber player. And if he gets going and stays going like this, this is this is someone who can, you know, get you over the hump of 
you know, getting through some of these elite teams when it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to the Big Ten championship, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a big part of this defense today and the success that they had with all the turnovers goes directly credited to him. On the offensive side, though, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., this is something that's been going on all year. Um, you know, this is a receiver, a 6'4". He runs routes uh, better than anyone, smooth and incredible wingspan and very athletic. And I think, you know, this year he's shown it. He showed it again last Saturday with 10 catches for 185 yards. My opinion, the best receiver in college football and my guess is, you know, once he goes to the league next five years, five years in the league, I'm guessing he's a top five receiver in the NFL. That's that's how good I think and how high I think the ceiling is for him. Um, he just continues to get separation and make these incredible acrobatic catches for C.J. Stroud, uh, just making his job easier. Um, definitely be on the lookout. I, this is a guy that, you know, there's a lot of talk of Jackson Smith and Jigba this year coming in and all credit to him for what he did last year but uh I, you know even when Jackson gets back I think I think Harrison has this you know wide receiver one role um locked down pretty good just with the performance he's been putting on this year so that's that's the Ohio State Penn State game and my my kind of takes on that and um great game definitely game of the week um and uh, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens to the Bucks in the future here. Next game, I just want to dive into quickly is uh, Michigan versus Michigan State. Michigan dominated, um, kind of as predicted, twenty nine to seven. I think the the big takeaway again is that this Michigan O line is dominant, and that sets up Blake Corum, who's you know very talented, behind them to uh, just run all over these defenses that they're playing. Um, you know, Michigan State's not on a, a great year, but you know, usually always puts up a fight against Michigan, as I said last week, but uh, not today. Definitely not. Um, this O-line is just too dominant. They run over them. Um, and I think this is something um, maybe maybe the Buckeyes got to be on the, on the lookout for here in the, in the future when uh, this inevitable Ohio State-Michigan game happens. You know, this is what happened last year is the, uh, the O-line of Michigan just bullied the Ohio State defense, and, uh, you know, if Ohio State wants to change that this year, they're going to have to deal with that O-line, find find answers. And, you know, this, like as we said, this Ohio State defense is definitely reshaped, um, rebuilt with Jim Knowles, but, um, you know, this Michigan O-line has not really changed that much, if, if anything has gotten better. So um, definitely that's kind of a matchup to look forward to. Uh, as the season continues, as we wait for that game at the end of the season, regular season. Uh, and then just touching on what happened after that game, we saw the, uh, the fight in the tunnel, uh, more like a couple of Michigan state players beating up a Michigan player. I think it, uh, you know, there's multiple videos of that going around and, uh, it sounds like three Michigan state players, I believe have been suspended, um, as a result of that, um, was listening to a little bit of uh, Mel Tucker's interviews. Apparently, uh, you know, he couldn't say much, obviously, as there's an investigation going on with these, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh's uh, pushing for, uh, you know, criminal charges to maybe go against these suspended players as well. Sounds like Mel Tucker's also uh, in a little bit of heat. Who knows how much it's 
maybe just nothing, but it sounds like he, um, you know, someone reached out and was trying to touch him as he's walking off the field and it either pushed back or slapped back their arm. So I guess they're, you know, he made it sound like there's an investigation into that too. So, you know, a lot of off the field issues surrounding uh, Michigan State after that, after that loss to Michigan. So you can definitely say not a, uh, not a favorable trip to the big house for the Spartans. Next up, let's just take a quick look at Kansas State versus Oklahoma State. Great matchup, but um, maybe not not such a great game. Forty-eight to zero as Kansas State just blows out Oklahoma State. Um, didn't see that one coming, but um, yeah, I, you know this sets up Kansas State for a great run to uh, go to that Big Twelve championship game. Maybe run run into TCU if they keep keep up their side of things. Um, Definitely, this is a big, big win for them in solidifying, you know, their standings um, in the college football playoff, uh, you know, uh, rankings, and then also just setting themselves up for a Big 12 championship. I think uh, this was a statement win for them, clearly, um, as they blow out Oklahoma State. TCU at West Virginia, 41-31 TCU. They keep keep their undefeated uh, season going as they uh, pass on from West Virginia. And it kind of begs into mind, which we'll get into here as we talk about college football playoff rankings, um, if they control their own destiny, you would think, right, an undefeated team in a Power 5 conference, um, keeping this up, you think, uh, you know, definite shot at the uh, college football playoff. But, you know, we'll get into it in a second here, but um, maybe maybe that's not the case. Uh, lastly, uh, game of the week, Tennessee versus Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky was ranked maybe shouldn't have been um you know it's a ranked win for Tennessee but they win 44 to 6 dominant dominant win for Tennessee for sure um as they keep their undefeated season going on as well um and now it's a big win for them going into a week where now they're going to have to play uh play Georgia next week so definitely a good win for them so moving on take a quick look at the college football uh, playoff rankings that came out, uh, I believe it was Tuesday this week, uh, Monday or Tuesday. Um, just take a quick look at those, um, see what we think. So top four, uh, we have Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson. Those are the four in as of right now. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of switch up with those as the season goes on and we play some uh, championship games, but th- those are the four. At five, we have Michigan. Six, Alabama. Seven, TCU. Eight, Oregon. Nine, USC. Ten, LSU. Uh, we'll just keep it simple and probably try to stick to those top ten for now in terms of what we're thinking, uh, what I'm thinking. And, um, yeah, so I think first things first, uh, Clemson. Uh I don't know what the committee <laughs> was really thinking uh, with this ranking. Um, you know, obviously, I may be a little biased towards Clemson, but I think I think if you were to ask any fan here, um, other than a Clemson fan, would you have expected Clemson at four? I mean, come on. The, the answer's got to be no. Um, after looking into it a little bit, you know, I think there's, there's maybe two reasons why the playoff committee uh, puts them at four here. One is that they have, I think it's three ranked wins, but they're all ACC teams, and they're you know the rankings for these teams are you know all like twenty 
or like high teens. Like they're not they're not like top ten wins. They're not qual you know quality ranked wins. I don't I just don't think that weighs in a lot here. I I don't think that they should be that high because of it. I think the second reason why they may be this high and uh, you know may this is this is a little obvious, but is brand recognition. You know right? We've seen Clemson in the college football playoff the last you know five years or so. And they've had success. They've won two national championships with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Um, so it's that brand recognition. We've seen them in the playoffs. So we, we've seen what they can do in the playoffs. So that bias has got to weigh in on the committee. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking that has something to do with where they're ranked right now. So that's Clemson at four. I, with Clemson at four, like, I think you can either put Michigan or TCU in that fourth spot instead of Clemson and both either of those two teams deserve it um, way more. Uh, Michigan, you know, again, has the quality win over Penn state. Um, their out of conference schedule was a joke, but you know, th- they've been dominating all year and they're, they're in the big 10 and power five and they're undefeated. Um, and, and they have really haven't shown sh- signs of struggle where Clemson has a little bit. Clemson has had some closer games and Michigan hasn't. And then as for TCU, again, undefeated, uh, no games that were really huge question marks. Um, maybe, you know, I, I just think either of those two teams deserves that spot more. And so I think, I think, uh, as I alluded to before with TCU, do they control their destiny here for the college f- football playoff? And I think, the answer could be yeah if if they keep winning that's obviously how they're gonna you know have a chance but even if they win out I think there's a scenario here where TCU still kind of gets screwed and doesn't make the playoff it, you know with maybe two SEC teams getting in because you know Tennessee uh, you know makes the college uh, the SEC championship and loses to Bama then you you got to put both those teams in and I think that knocks out a team like TCU if the, if the playoff committee is valuing Clemson over them. So I think, I think that's, um, not fair. I think, um, I think with the way these rankings came out, I think it does screw TCU over a little bit and doesn't really, really give them a shot. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the way it is and, and we'll see how these things shake out. You know, teams can win and lose here in the, in the last part of this season here. So we'll see what, what shakes out. And then, I think the other joke, and when we're talking about bias here, is you know, and there's always the whole thing about SEC bias, and um, you know, because the, people view them as the, you know the the best conference, which they may well may be, um, but LSU with two losses at ranked at ten is a little bit of a joke, and, and you know, it stems from them beating Ole Miss, who was pretty highly ranked prior to that loss, um, but. LSU with those two losses at 10 is big because they're playing Alabama this week. And, you know, if, if Alabama beats them, even though that Alabama, you know, lost to Tennessee, almost lost to Texas, almost lost to Texas A&M, if they beat another top 10 college football ranked team, like this puts them right back in the conversation to get into the college football playoff. Not that they were ever out of it, but just a stronger case. Um, so we'll see what, we'll see what happens there. It, it, it's it'll be interesting, but I just think that again, this is maybe a little bit that brand bias, a little bit of SEC bias going in here with LSU two losses ranked at ten. We'll see what happens. So let's just take a, a quick look here. 
coming up this this Saturday um, with games going on. Obviously, the biggest one here is number one, Tennessee versus number three, Georgia at Georgia in Athens. This this is probably for the college football, sorry, the SEC championship spot. Whatever team wins here, um, probably most likely is going to take that SEC championship championship spot, play Alabama. Um, and probably regardless of, you know, a win or a loss against Bama in the SEC championship is probably going to the college football playoff. Um, so that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. Um, as for, you know, what to expect from this game, I think uh, Tennessee's going to throw a lot. I mean, that's what they've been doing all year to every team they play. Hendon Hooker is on, you know, his Heisman Trail uh, campaign here. So expect them to throw a lot. Um, this defense from Georgia, not nearly what it was last year. Still a good defense, but not nearly what it was last year. They recently lost Nolan Smith, who was one of their top linebackers. He's out for the year with an injury. So it's going to be a matter of that defense getting pressure on the offense and putting pressure on Hendon Hooker, uh, trying to get him maybe some missed throws, um, some sacks, some tackles for loss. We'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, definitely expect Tennessee to throw this ball a lot um, around on Georgia. And Georgia has been giving up yards this year to, to, the, uh, to passing offenses. So um, I think this is an interesting matchup. Definitely a tough, tough road game for Tennessee. We'll, we'll see what happens, but definitely not easy for Tennessee to go in there and win a game in Athens. So look forward to that game on Saturday. Alabama at LSU, as we talked about, Alabama playing a top 10 college football ranked team in LSU. Again, could be hard because, you know, Bama's had their struggles this year, but um, I still think I still think Bama wins here. Builds to their playoff resume. Uh, could be a close game because they are playing in Death Valley down in uh, Louisiana. But, um, yeah, that'll be a, a top-ranked matchup this weekend. Texas versus Kansas State. Kansas State, again, just coming off that blowout against Oklahoma State, playing Texas, who is, I believe, in the AP polls ranked right now. Pretty pretty high up. But, um, but you know, Texas with Ewers, they've had a couple games where they struggled he he was out with an injury for a little bit after that Alabama game. But, uh, you know, the playing Kansas State, I think this could be a close one. I think Texas either plays really good, and when I say really good, I mean can keep up with, you know, elite teams. I think they have, they have that elite ceiling this year, uh, and maybe the quarterback play has unlocked that. But I think they can, but they've also had those games where they just break down. So, you know, this could go either way. Kansas State could either run away with it, or this could, I think this could be a close game with Kansas State. Uh, finally, just another one to take a look at is Clemson at Notre Dame. Going to South Bend, def- again, hard to win on the road. Uh, you know, Clemson hasn't pay- played teams uh, of really high quality this year. Um, the ACC just isn't that great. But um, they're playing Notre Dame. Notre Dame has other struggles, but they were early season struggles. And I think this this team has kind of turned it around a little bit, started to win. They've started to find their run game a lot more. So this is a definitely an improved Notre Dame team that they're playing against. Probably one of the better teams that Clemson's gonna has faced and and probably will face this season. Uh, you know, in their regular season schedule. And on top of that is kind of the quarterback stirrup that uh, kind of happened last week, where um, I believe the Dabo took DJ out to put 
I believe it's Cade in. And Cade, had, you know, had to go in to win them that game. And Dabo says after the game that, you know, DJ's still the starter. And, you know, don't expect him to, to be pulled. He's going to start this next game. But, you know, once you do that, regardless of what you say, even as the head coach, you know, it's unsettling. It's unsettling for the starting quarterback. It gives that backup hope. Um, it's always in the mind of the coach, you know, if things start going bad, like, you know, when when would you pull them? So I think that's something to maybe be on the lookout for, even though Dabo says it's not, you know, not as big of a deal as maybe some people are making it out to be. But we'll keep an eye on that one for sure. Just want to take a quick look at the Heisman race. I think right now, obviously, the top two are C.J. Stroud and Hendon Hooker. I think there's been a lot more steam as of late for Hooker. Um, I'm not sure why. I, you know, I, I, obviously, a lot of the hype came from the Alabama win, where he played good. But you know, I don't. I'm not sure if that's what puts him over the top. I, I think numbers-wise, stats-wise, maybe CJ's uh, still a little higher here. But not not to take anything away from Hendon Hooker at all. But uh, definitely something to keep on the lookout for. And I think, you know, if he has this win against Georgia this week, um, or even if he keeps it close and plays good, I think that definitely puts him probably in uh, contention for the number one spot for the Heisman right now. Um, and then just looking at uh, just some news from the college football world is Texas A&M suspended three uh, of their high prospect uh, out of their last recruiting class freshmen for locker room misconduct after their game at South Carolina last week. Um, you know, this is, <laughs> this is something every, you know, everyone had a problem with A&M uh, dishing out so much money with the new NIL deals um, to get these recruits. And I think this is where it kind of bites you back where, yeah, you can go out and pay guys to come come to your school but I don't think that necessarily builds a team I think you still need to like build you know unity with players build a culture not that they don't have one but when when it's dominated first by money and coming there these are the issues you're going to run into and so not sure you know what these suspensions look like or, or what they came from other than locker room misconduct but um you know not a good look for A&M and you know maybe this shakes up the strategy of how to get recruits and, and how you pay recruits in the future. So definitely something to keep the eye on. So that's, that's what's going on in the world of uh, college football. Uh, a lot to look forward to, a lot that we've enjoyed so far this past week. Um, just want to dive into a quick, quick couple things going on around the, the world of sports as well, starting with MLB, obviously the World Series. Tied 2-2 right now between the Phillies and the Astros. Bryce Harper continues his incredible postseason. He has now six postseason home runs, um, and he keeps it going for the Phillies here. Um, and then game four, uh, a combined no-hitter from the Astros. Um, not sure how, how many times that's been done in MLB history, but impressive nonetheless to tie the series back to 2-2. And the uh, the Phillies headed back to Philadelphia. I believe it's right now tonight. So we'll see what that game shapes up to be for Game 5 and who's going to be one game away from lifting that World Series trophy. Then, just quick, quickly looking at the NFL uh, trade deadline hit. So just taking a look at uh, a couple of the trades that went around the league, some of the bigger ones. I think the biggest is probably Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. 
Um, I think that's a, a great ad for the Dolphins, who got a great team now that Tua is back. But um, I think the big thing to take away from this is uh, I had heard so the Dolphins had originally, I believe, originally drafted Laramie Tunsil, who, if you remember, was the guy, uh, highly recruited prospect, I believe, out of Old Miss. But he had this, the the scandal, that video coming up of him um, smoking out of a gas mask bong on, on draft day, and it definitely you know tanked his stock a little bit, or a lot. And um, and so I, the, the Dolphins ended up drafting him, but quickly, I believe they quickly ended up trading him, um, you know, within a season or two. And they, you know, they got picks for him. And I was, I was kind of blown away by this. So the, within multiple trades and, and draft picks that they got from, from those Tunsil picks, they got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Bradley Chubb. I, I, I mean, that's... That's a win for the for the Dolphins. It's pretty incredible how they can turn that around from kind of a, more of a disastrous situation to getting three you know star players, especially those wide receivers on offense. So um, yeah, the Bradley Chubb uh, pickup definitely good for the Dolphins. Chase Claypool uh, to Chicago. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see. Giving Justin Fields that must much needed help on that offense. He has no one to throw to right now. So. We'll see how that shapes up with the rest of this NFL season and see if that helps Justin Fields alleviate some of that pressure he ha- he's had on uh, his offense this year. I think the next big one is just uh, Calvin Ridley to the Jags. This is um, interesting, uh, more or less probably the, the Jags banking on building for the future um, as Ridley's obviously suspended this entire year from his, uh, his gambling on an NFL game last year. But... Um, I think it's a good pickup for them. They'll have Christian Kirk and and uh, Calvin Ridley to to throw to for Trevor Lawrence, along with ETN in the backfield. So um, Jags definitely working on building that offense. Um, that does it for the NFL. And then just want to quickly point out, uh, <laughs> I don't know how often I talk about NASCAR, but um, if you haven't seen it, I believe his name is Ross Chastain. Ch- Chastain. Um, driver in NASCAR. They were racing uh, in Martinsville, I believe, last week, and um, small little oval track with a with a you know a cement wall around the outside. And on the last lap, uh, Chase Stain uh, rides the wall full throttle, um, just kind of on the straightaway, puts his car right into the side of the wall, um, so he's scraping it. And goes full speed around the whole bend, 180 degrees to the finish line. Passes five cars to gain the last spot to move on to the NASCAR title race. I mean, you got to watch the video on it because I've never seen a racing move like this. And, you know, apparently none of the announcers or other drivers in NASCAR have either. Uh, A lot of people are (laughs) describing it as a video game move where, you you know, you're just going full speed into, into walls and just bouncing off. But, um... Yeah, incredible, incredible stuff from that driver. Um, very interesting to watch, and uh, congrats to him. So that does it. You know, that does it for this this week's podcast. Um, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. And, um, you know, we'll see how this week's college football games shake out, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in.